Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer. Welcome to the Corporate Flight Attendant Podcast. I was a corporate flight attendant for six years, and I'm here to tell you the brutal, honest truth of the industry. Before we start today, please remember that if you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, check out the show notes for my CFA ebook and... To donate. Today, we have an interview with an upscale hospitality expert who has served major celebs. She is also here to dish and tell us all about her Amazon best selling culinary memoir. Maria Costanzo Palmer is a page turner award winning finalist for her co authored Amazon best selling book. On the Rocks, The Prima Donna Story, which currently has a non-exclusive shopping agreement for film and TV rights. On Amazon.com, On the Rocks has been outselling culinary memoirs such as Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential and Stanley Tucci's Taste. Maria served in her father's award-winning upscale Italian restaurant empire, and she is here to tell us all about it today. Welcome, Maria. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. First of all, happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too. I cannot believe how quickly this year flew by. <laughs> how are I we here? How are we here? When I said I wanted you to come on for the holidays, I was like, oh, that's months away. And now we're here and we're ready and everyone's busy and running around. And what's so great about this episode is you can listen to it while you're holiday shopping, while you're driving in the car, while you're baking. So that's why I want to drop this episode. Maria's book on the rocks is going to make an incredible holiday present where you can just quickly order it online, comes to you in a couple days. You can throw it in a stocking. You can quickly wrap it, throw it in a bag, put it under the tree, and it makes the perfect present. I've already bought a few, but we're going to move on to that. And you're going to hear more about the book. But first, this is kind of a fun twist we have today, you guys. Before we delve into your father's restaurant and discussing his empire and upscale hospitality, your mother was a commercial flight attendant who has served in the first class cabin. I know you talked to her about this interview. Can you pass on a tip or two to our listeners on, in her opinion, what makes a great flight attendant, especially for upscale? Sure. So my mom was a flight attendant back during a different era. Uh, she was a flight attendant for AWA and wow. then uh, U.S. Airways and Allegheny Airlines. And so most of the clients that she served were the very high-end folks. And whenever she found out that I was doing this, she was so happy and so nostalgic and uh, really took her back to better days of her career. And one of the things that she had told me to share with all of the listeners as far as how to give elite customer service to those customers and patrons on the flight is to really know your audience and to anticipate for what they're going to need and prepare for almost every single situation and scenario because the best service is service where the patrons don't have to ask for anything. They're just given what they need. And you, as a flight attendant or as a commercial pilot, can really anticipate what that's going to be. Perfect. So anticipating needs, 
that goes from commercial here to private as well. So I really appreciate her advice. And I wonder if your mom is just horrified by what she sees on commercial planes today. I mean, she must be like, wow, in my day, people dressed up, they look nice, they were civil. Is she pretty horrified? Has she said anything? Yeah, she absolutely has. Um, You know, it was a a very different era back then. It was, she kind of came from growing up, she actually did a lot of beauty contests. And, um, you know, being a flight attendant during that era was one of status, but it also encompassed poise and beauty. And she actually told me that she used to get weighed in before she would fly. And they had overall appearance checks to make sure their hair and makeup was perfect and that their uniforms were pressed. And it was really all about the customers. So back then, the airlines wanted to give this really exquisite service because people had a choice of where they were going to go. There were many carriers and many smaller and private carriers. And also people could easily, a lot of times she did shorter flights. So she was based in Pittsburgh, but she would fly Pittsburgh to Buffalo, Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. to Albany. And so you can actually drive those routes or take a bus or take a train. So they had to make it so it was a special thing for people to hop on the plane. And that was something that was instilled to her that she actually took with her in her restaurant days too. Thank you so much, because I think that's a tip that even comes into private jets today, because what she was doing was pretty similar to a private jet experience. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Back in the day, your mom must be tall, because back in the day, they had height requirements. I'm five foot one, I would have never made it. (laughs) But yeah, you had you had to be what, five, six or something and over. Yeah, she she's about five, five, maybe five, six. She's a a couple inches taller than I am. I'm, you know, five, four, if if I stretch. <laughs> but yeah, there, there were really strict weight requirements, strict height requirements. It was definitely a job that you were doing where appearance was certainly important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about what we're here to talk about. Your father had an Italian restaurant empire in the 1980s and 90s in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was a very upscale establishment that served the rich and the famous. What was your experience working in the restaurant as a server in fine dining? And I don't know if you want to uh, talk a little bit about the restaurant first and then go to, into your experience, whatever works for you, Maria. Sure. So let's orient people to the restaurant. The restaurant during the 80s and 90s, as my kids call it, the dinosaur days, it was <laughs> the time before Google, Yelp, MapQuest. And the prima donna was located in a very small suburb of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania called McKee's Rocks. And nobody really knows about McKee's Rocks because there's a reason. It The boom was during the steel era and then everybody moved out and it's a very corrupt place to be. So uh, to have a world-class restaurant there in, during the 80s and 90s without the help of the internet was quite a feat. 
And, you know, he he made that happen. And he made that happen in the most unlikely of places and the most unlikely of times. And working down there as a server was a very unique experience. It was incredibly fast paced. He did not accept any reservations. So it was not unlikely that people would stand in line for two or three hours. And he even had apparel that said, I survived the wait at the prima donna and people would proudly (laughs) wear it around town. But it was fast paced. You had to read the room very, very quickly and to be able to determine what people needed. And just as my mom said, to almost anticipate what they were going to need. And everybody you had to treat like they were the most special person in the room because to them they were. And I always say that I uh, went to undergrad at Syracuse University, grad school at Pepperdine University, but I got the best education from the Prima Donna restaurant because it, it, at that restaurant, they were teaching not only service, but life. And I didn't know that that was the case until many, many years after. So lots of wonderful lessons learned working with the public. And, you know, as everybody knows in the hospitality industry, you learn so many things from people. Sometimes not so good. <laughs> Sometimes not so good. So tell us about the actual experience of serving and serving in upscale hospitality and what you think you did well or what you observed you did well or anything like that. Yeah. So, you know, I would liken it to a Broadway play. So whenever you go in, everything is orchestrated and almost scripted in a way that there's a dance. There's a dance between your server, your bus person, the people that are filling your waters, the kitchen, the front of the house. And if that dance goes well, then you get a standing ovation and probably a great tip. If that dance doesn't go so well, well, you get a bad review in the New York Times and then nobody shows up the next day. So, you know, it was really back during the era where people cared about going out for an evening and it was an event to go out to eat. And pasta was not the devil. People were not afraid of carbs <laughs> at all. You know, people that were running marathons, they were told eat a bowl of pasta before you run this 26.2 mile race. So it was a different era. You know, I feel like right now what's kind of happened is we have a lot of takeout and that experiential portion has almost went away because of our reliance on technology, but it was a very different time. And I think a very lovely time. I like how you likened it to a Broadway play, because I remember when I worked with this crew, and I was normally the only flight attendant when I worked on private jets, but I had this one account where it was myself and two other flight attendants, because it was a bigger plane. And we had this one trip that I will never forget that we just worked really well together. I don't know, the energy was just good that day. It was just because it was a very tough owner to deal with and his friends were tough and the situation was tough and the food, you know, just everything. But I remember that day in particular because this owner never complimented the lead flight attendant. And when we got back to the room, she got a text from him saying, you guys did a great job. 
which was insane. So you're absolutely right about, especially when you're working in that group as a flight attendant, or even if you're working with the pilots, it does have to go off like a Broadway play in that sense. Or even if you're working by yourself, it's all on you as a flight attendant to make sure that that experience is seamless. Mm-hmm. And it, just like your father's restaurant empire in the 80s and 90s, that's taken to the private jet today. Now, people are a little more chill on a private jet. Americans are. But if you're dealing with Saudis and Russians, and that's a whole other thing. But, you know, they're more chill, but they still want that upscale experience. So I appreciate that you're so skilled in that. Are there any celebs you can dish about? Because I know you have a couple of celebs in your book. Yeah, so it really became the place for celebrities to flock to whenever they were coming in and filming movies or TV shows or even, you know, sports casters. So we have several celebs in the book. Um, I'll talk about because she's becoming hot again, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. So uh, Jamie Lee Curtis came in. Uh, completely unassumingly. So, uh, and again, you have to remember we're before the internet. So the likeness of people was not as well known as it is today. You couldn't just pull up a photo and say, okay, this is who this person is. And Jamie Lee Curtis had developed a partnership with a child um, at Children's Hospital who had received a heart transplant. And they developed this friendship, and she had come back and forth a couple of times to Pittsburgh to visit this child. And unfortunately, the child passed away. And in the child's honor, Jamie Lee Curtis, during the 80s, donated VCRs and televisions to every single hospital room at Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh. And so one of my dad's really good customers, Lynn McMahon, who was the the owner of a PR agency that served Children's Hospital, called my dad on a random Wednesday, and there was quite a bit of a wait. I think there was an hour, an hour and a half wait. And she said, you know, I'm coming down with somebody I need to get in right away. And my dad said, well, you know, I can't do that. There's a line out the door. There's been a line since four o'clock. And she said, all right, well, she gives the the cliff notes. And she said, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. So my mm. dad said, well, I'll see what I can do, but no promises. So they ended up sitting. We had it this foyer as you kind of walked in this big, long entranceway behind had all of our coolers for desserts and salads and our soda machine. And so she ended up sitting right there in the entranceway. Mm -hmm. They put a table there for her and Lynn McMahon. And what was interesting, she did not want to be noticed or recognized. And she was not noticed or recognized because to have Jamie Lee Curtis there in McKee's Rocks, Pennsylvania in the 80s, nobody was looking for her. Nobody knew who she was. And, you know, she just sat down like everybody else and ate her meal. And she did... (laughs) She did. It was interesting. She did doctor the menu a little bit. So we had a fettuccine primavera that you could get either with red sauce or with Alfredo sauce. So she got it with garlic and oil and she got less pasta, more veggies. That was her her thing. But she had a lovely meal. And by the time she was done, I do think some people were starting to recognize her. So they just went 
out the door very quickly. And yeah, that was the end of that. So, but we've had the likeness of Tommy Lasorda, Danny Aiello, Pat Sajak, Harry Carey, Smokin' Joe Frazier, just to name a few, lots and lots of celebrities and sports stars. So when you were serving these celebrities and the staff was serving these celebrities, what was told to you? I mean, I understand there was probably no one's different from everyone else. Everyone's a celebrity. But was there anything special? Is there anything you had to do? I'm just curious. Um, You know, my dad really wanted people to have the same type of dining experience. So absolutely, he would lead with everybody's a celebrity whenever they walk into the prima donna, no matter whether they are Joe Schmo across the street or somebody like Jamie Lee Curtis. So we just had to treat everybody with the red carpet treatment. He was very, very strict about not encroaching on people's dining experiences. So even if you were the server for that table, you were not allowed to say, oh, you know what? I loved you, Daniello, in the cemetery club. Can you please sign my VHS copy? Or would you mind if I took this Polaroid picture with you? <laughs> no, no, no. Polaroid picture. <laughs> That's not happening. And, you know, some people, because we had a lot of sports stars and a lot of Pittsburgh sports stars that would come in. And during the early 90s, early 2000s, Sidney Crosby came in one time from the Pittsburgh Penguins and all of these little boys lined up down the street. And my dad said, you know, I'm sorry, you're not coming in here asking for an autograph. If you want to stand outside of my door and whenever he comes out, you can certainly ask him, but we're not encroaching on people's dining experience. So my dad was very equitable about um, trying to make people feel special, but also knowing when to give people their anonymity. And we had to do that as servers. That is perfect advice, because that comes right over to or translates to a private jet. Because I tell people all the time, you need to shut up. You, you can't be involved in these conversations or try to make conversation or try to be their friends. And Listen, to this day, I just had this happen not long ago where I had heard a story of a flight attendant who tried to be their friend, you know, how, how's this going? How's this? And, and the flight attendant now no longer has work on that account. Yeah, absolutely. When you're dealing with that level of celebrity, that level of wealth, they like to be left alone because they have people in their faces all day long. So mm-hmm. thank you for reiterating that because I say it over and over and over on this podcast. So do you have a couple of tips for the listeners to create that unforgettable upscale experience when serving a meal? Remember that you were in a restaurant on the ground and my listeners are on private jets. So focusing on the meal specifically, how can you create an unforgettable experience? Well, I think the first thing that you have to do is no matter how busy you are with whatever is tying you up at the moment, you have to just acknowledge people. It just takes two seconds to go over, introduce yourself, tell them that you're going to be serving them for the day and do it with a smile and do it with a a friendly nature because even if they're in a bad mood, it's really hard, some people do, but it's very hard for people to grimace at you if you're being kind and friendly. 
And, uh, you know, we used to ask as soon as we would go up to people, and it might be something that you could ask on a private jet too, because it's pretty special to fly on a private jet. Are you going anywhere or celebrating anything special? It just gives you a way to connect with them that you're not crossing any boundaries, but you're acknowledging whatever it is that has brought them to you. Throughout the meal, you got to use the Donna C advice. That's my mom's advice. Mm-hmm. And just anticipating what they're going to need. So it take the two seconds and set up if they have ordered soup. Take two seconds and drop a soup spoon before you bring the soup. You know, if you see that people's napkins are getting kind of gnarly, switch them out. And, you know, if you see people go up and they go to the bathroom, it takes just a minute to find a way to do something fancy with their seat, you know, whether it's fold their blanket in a certain way or fold their napkin in a certain way, because it makes them feel whenever they come back that you've done something a little special and that you've noticed something about them. And really just to deliver that service to also read the room. It's a big thing yeah. if you see somebody, right, like looking at their watch, you're probably taking too long. <laughs> if you see somebody not touching their food or their drink, there's probably something wrong with it. And if you can't anticipate that as the flight attendant or as the server before it gets brought up to you, normally it's a very easy conversation and a very simple fix versus if they are ignored or you're trying to dodge the elephant in the room, that brings up people's tension and anxiety and it can turn very quickly into a situation that happens out of anger, not, oh, you know, I got the wrong drink. Hey, you messed up. You gave me the wrong drink, you know? So really reading the room and really catering to your clientele. And some people are going to want to be chatty and there's no reason why you can't be. But as you said, you need to know when to put the brakes on too. So I'm going to amend a little bit of your advice just for my listeners. So you had said you can introduce yourself, ask if you're celebrating anything special. You wouldn't do that on a private jet. So on a private jet, you just want to say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and that's it. They don't need to know anything else about you. They don't want to know anything else about you. So just to amend that. Are you celebrating something special? You should know that ahead of time. You should have that in the notes. So that's a little different from a private jet. And the only other thing that's a little different from a private jet is you had said you kill them with kindness and a smile and they probably won't be rude back. Oh, they'll be rude back on a private jet. It's a totally different situation. <laughs> I've had met where I've smiled and said good morning and they've looked at me and they've stared at me and they've just walked right past me. So that you have to just be prepared for. Even if you're the kindest, smiliest person, you will get that reaction because they are not in that headspace. Also, I think it's a little different on a private jet versus the prima donna. The prima donna, they're there on a Friday night. They're really celebrating. They're chill. They're on a private jet. You may have the owner walk on. And I, I would say this 99% of the time where they're about to go into a business meeting on the jet, they're about to, um, or they just came from a business meeting. They're thinking about something. So it's a little bit of a different scenario, but I like how you said that because it's always good to you know, see the differences because we have listeners, Maria, you bring up those valid points that come from the hospitality serving world. And and that's something natural that they would do. And that makes sense from a logical perspective, but on a private jet, it's just a little different. different. I like how you said, 
drop a soup spoon, switch out napkins, absolutely. Refill water, I would add to that. That's a big one. Fold a blanket. I like that, how you said fold a blanket in a nice way. And especially reading the room, reading the cabin, and making sure you are doing everything intuitively. Yeah, so really good advice. Thank you. All right, so let's talk about your Amazon best-selling culinary memoir, On the Rocks. Uh, give us a brief summary of the book. Sure. So it's about my dad's rise to success in the prima donna. And as I had mentioned earlier in the show, it was in a very unlikely corrupt town. Keys Rocks, Pennsylvania is the type of town that you drive through on the way to get to <laughs> Pittsburgh, not that you stop at to go to a restaurant. So it was his struggles to obtain this restaurant empire. It's got lots of celebrities, tons of action, very dialogue driven. It's very, very short chapters. So if you read at night, you're not going to injure yourself because you can read three or four pages and then go to sleep. And it follows his fall, which ended with a stint in federal prison because every book needs a good hook, right? So juicy. And this book is so well written. And it's so beautifully done. And I couldn't put it down. I personally read it in an afternoon. I I couldn't put it down. I thought it was such a great read. I bought a gift already for um, someone for the holidays. So they're going to get it as well. Oh, and I might you. buy uh, on Amazon again and help your Amazon sales and buy it for someone else because it does make such a great gift. And there's so many interesting things about the restaurant empire that even though I feel like I've read not a lot, but I've read a good amount of culinary memoirs that yours went into and shocked me in a good way about you know, I didn't know the award system. I didn't know that there were certain awards, which I don't want to give that part away too much, but I, I didn't know that. I found it fascinating about how your dad's fall happened in particular, because it was a very unfortunate series of events. And it came from your perspective as a young girl and well, not a young girl, I say a young woman, and how you dealt with it, especially being in college and having to deal with the stress of your family and, and the incarceration. So you guys, it has everything. So you definitely want to pick that up. And tell us where to purchase On the Rocks for the holidays. Can we follow you anywhere? And yeah, and I'm going to put this all in the show notes. So please, Maria. Perfect. Yeah, so On the Rocks is really wherever books are sold on Amazon, or you can go on to my website, Maria C. Palmer, P-A-L-M-E-R.com. And you can absolutely follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Joe Costanzo Primadonna. That's J-O-E-C-O-S-T-A-N-Z-O-P-R-I-M-A-D-O-N-N-A. That's some good spelling. That is some good spelling. I've done it a couple of times before. <laughs> that, is some, that, is, that was impressive. I'm not that great of a speller, so that was impressive. Uh, yeah, so we're going to put this all in the show notes. Please take advantage. Support Maria. This is a great present. And I wanted to ask you just a little question. I like to throw a question that's not in the outline to my guests just for fun. I was wondering for this Christmas, because I know you celebrate Christmas, correct? Mm -hmm. What meal will you make 
from the prima donna? Or will you make a meal that's, that you've made at the prima donna that's a family heirloom, family specialty? Just curious. Yeah, I certainly will. So on Christmas Eve, that's my jam. And we <laughs> do you we host? Do. I do. Uh, a lot of times I'll either bring the food to my in-laws because my, my space isn't as large as theirs, or if it's going to be a small Christmas, which this year it's going to be a small Christmas, they'll come over to our house. And we do all of the traditional Italian Feast of the Seven Fishes. So I do the ricotta gnocchi. I do the homemade pasta. My grandmother did this pasta in a red sauce with tuna fish, which Hmm. sounds absolutely disgusting, but it is absolutely amazing and really, really great. So we'll probably do a little of that. We also do all of the different Italian fishes. We do the bacala, the smelts, you know, pretty much anything, a little uh, mussels and clams, a wide variety. Nobody goes home hungry and there are leftovers for days. That is amazing. That is it. There's a good episode in the bear where they have the bears on Hulu. It's a very popular uh, show. And they show them cooking the seven fishes for a holiday episode. So if anyone wants to check that out, you can see what that is if you don't know what it is. And thank you so much, Maria. Uh, Merry Christmas. Oh, and happy holidays. Happy, Happy holidays to everybody. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, and happy holidays to all of my lovely listeners. I will be back with my final episode of the year on Friday, December 29th, 2023. I will be discussing the end of the year wrap up and an exciting new change I'm making for next year. It's really juicy, you guys. So make sure to listen to that episode when it drops. Until next time. Happy flying.